the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael Oxentenko's message today is entitled, The New Covenant and the New You. That's The New Covenant and the New You, and you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call us at any time, 24-7. Here's the phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here now is Pastor Michael Oxentenko with the conclusion of the New Covenant and the New You. We started this message yesterday, but due to our time constraints, we're not able to complete it, but we'll do so now. And you can always find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Here's Pastor Mike. Baal is best understood as Baal Zaphon, which means the Lord or King of the North. When you read Daniel chapter 11, you encounter the King of the North, you should be thinking of Baal, because Baal was the King of the North. He was that antichrist power that tried to take the place of Christ before Christ ever came. And so we find a false theological system, a false God and the like. And so in this system, there is an inauguration of the palace of Baal. And when his sanctuary was built, there was a big party and no people were invited to fellowship with the gods. Only the gods were invited. Now here's an excerpt from a translation by Nick Wyatt. It says, and build a house of silver and gold, a house of jewels and lapis lazuli. Does anyone know what color lapis lazuli is? It's blue. In fact, many translators will substitute the word sapphire for lapis lazuli because there's some confusion. It doesn't mean sapphire or this. It was a blue, brilliant stone. Now God, when he invited the elders of Israel up into the mountain, he is thrown with sapphire, the Bible says. Now, Baal Zaphon, the king of the north, I'm reading again. Here's what he did. It says he invited his brothers into his house, his kinsmen into the midst of his palace. He invited the 70 sons of Asherah. Now, how many sons went up into the mountain? Here are the gods. 70 gods go into the mountain. How many of the children of Israel went up to eat with God in Exodus 24? 70. It's a direct parallel. He gave wine to drink to the ram gods. He gave to drink to the ewe gods. He gave wine to drink to the ox gods. He gave to drink to the cow goddesses. He gave wine to drink to the throne gods. He gave to drink to the chair goddesses. He gave wine to drink to the amphora gods. And he gave to drink to the jar goddess. I mean, you have a bunch of drunk gods on the mountain there with Baal. While they ate, the gods drank. I mean, that's the key theme here. They got drunk on Baal's mountain. Seventy gods were invited to the big party, the big drinking fest for Baal. But no people were invited to the feast, only the gods. What kind of God is Baal? He's a kind of God that keeps people out of his party. Seventy gods can come up, but keep the people out. Dear heart, the God of the Bible is not a God who has a palace that is exclusive. He's a God that is not so high and mighty that he keeps you and me out of his parties. In the Bible, God calls ordinary people to his feast. 
to find Him, to know Him, to stand before His throne and to feel the presence of God bringing life into their experience. He calls men and women who need Him up the mountain. His palace and His sapphire throne are not off limits to those who are hungry for the stuff of eternity. At Sinai, 70 elders, common men, went up the mountain to feast with God beneath His sapphire throne. And today, God invites men and women from everyday walks of life to come up the mountain and feast at God's throne. The night in which Jesus was betrayed, He took the time to sit down with His disciples and show them how to eat. Dear heart, you cannot receive Jesus unless you learn how to eat. We find Christ the closest when we come to the table seeking eternity at the table with Him. And just before He was crucified, Christ established the new covenant which is wrapped around the events of this table. The new covenant that is not just to teach us, it is to bring us into the experience of grace so that we know that we have eternal life through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. In Mark 14, 22, the Bible says, As they were eating, Christ took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the few. What? You're sleeping. It's poured out for the, the many. Dear heart, the feast in the palace of Baal was for the few. Christ's blood is for the many. His feast is for the many. He died so many people can come to the table. He didn't die to feed a remnant alone that thinks they're better than others. No, He came to die for a remnant and the many. And so He gave Himself, He poured Himself out for the many. You know, that timeless text in John 3.16 is still the truth. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I want to be the whosoever that verse, don't you? I mean, the whosoever is the person who lives in the bottom of the barrel as far as the strata of earth's social structures are concerned. That person is the person who cries out to God wherever he is on the world and he seeks the mercy of God. You see, the grace of God doesn't come to those who think they have it already. It comes to those who need it. And so his blood was poured out for the many. Christ's body is the bread and his blood is the wine. And in the Gospel of John, the question was asked to Jesus after he fed the 5,000, what matters in life? John 6, 28, they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? That's like saying we want to be God too. You ever done that in your life? Well, I want to do the mighty work for God. I want to show the world how good a spiritual superstar I am. That's what they were asking. What must we do to be doing the works of God? Righteousness by works is when you try to be a little God yourself by doing the works of God that only God can do in you. Jesus points the hungry away from self to the one who was sent into the world to save every soul that cannot save itself. Verse 29, Jesus answered them, This is the work of God that you believe in Him who He has sent. So many people want to get to heaven by doing something on their own. They want to do some mighty work that shows God that they believe. It makes you feel good when you do something, doesn't it? You do something for God and you pat yourself on the back and you say, I have grown up as a Christian. I'm well on my way to sainthood. It makes you feel important when you do something like that. But Jesus says, you want to do something? Here it is. Believe in me. Do that. 
And that's the most important thing you can do in life. Believe in the one whom God has sent. Some people say, well, that's easy religion, preacher. Now, if it's so easy, then why will so many people be lost? I ask that question. It's not easy to believe in Jesus because it is human nature to believe in yourself. It's human nature to put your faith in you. The medieval church taught that faith and works has merit in the judgment day. It taught that what you do has grace qualities to it, that it commends you to God enough to where it becomes part of the package of God's acceptance. And so they taught that what you do contributes to God's goodness toward you. And that's why the mass of the Middle Ages was a corruption of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It taught men and women that the cross of Jesus Christ was not enough to save you. You've got to do something to make God save you. Christ had to be sacrificed again and again in that medieval theology to appease God at the communion table because the cross was unfinished business. It was a direct denial of the truth of Hebrews that says that Christ died once and for all, that His sacrifice is sufficient to cleanse the conscience. And the Greek says He died into the perpetuity, into the forever. It was a denial of that. And so instead of taking living bread at the communion service, they turned the bread of life into dead bread on a table. And so the Mass took the place of the cross. And this is not the kind of religion that Jesus gave us. So they said, what must we do to do the works of God? And Christ said, you must believe in the one whom God has sent. Dear heart, there are many things you can do, but there is nothing you can do to make God love you. There are many things you can do in life for your family and for others, but there is nothing you can do to commend yourself to God in the judgment day. Your utter need is that of grace. And what you need to stand before a righteous God is a righteousness you do not have. And so Christ said, you must believe in the one that God has sent. That's your only way out of here. That's your ticket into eternity. That's the work of God. Verse 30, so they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Now we live in an age when people are looking for religious signs. The Fatima miracle that occurred early part of the 20th century was an amazing phenomena. The sun danced across the sky. It looked as if Mary had appeared to three children, giving them divine instruction as to what they must do to prepare the world for the end of time. It was an amazing event. But if you ever read the Fatima Revelation, it's very clear that what Mary was supposedly telling those children was, try and be better. Try and do better. It was nothing but righteousness by works all over again. And if you take the Scripture and you line up that miracle with it, you have to reject that as a sign from God because it does not line up with Scripture. God has not come to exhort you to be better. He has come in Christ to tell you that the only way out of here is to fall at the knees of Jesus and to cling to Him as your Savior by faith. And any system, any miracle that's at odds with that is not from God. So they wanted signs and works instead of faith that works through Jesus Christ alone. Now Christ had just performed a miracle in the story. It wasn't good enough for them. Now when you base your faith on signs and wonders, you can never have enough signs to believe in Jesus. Subjective religion without objective truth is false religion that is always searching for a better fix than the last time you shot up religiously. And that's not the way God's Word works. When men and women will not accept a living faith that is rooted in Jesus Christ, they turn to feeling religion. 
They turned to religiosity or they turned to tradition. Verse 31. They said, Our fathers ate man in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now you think you're something, Jesus, don't you, they say. Beat Moses and his bread. See if you can top the manna that fell out of the sky. Verse 32. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. My Father gives you the true bread from heaven for the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world and then verse 34 then they said to him Lord give us this bread always and Jesus said to them I am the bread of life he who comes to me shall not hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst now dear heart you don't have to figure out what needs to go on your table based on this verse we have clarity as to what you need to eat and what needs to go into you to live forever Christ said, I am the focus. I am the bread of life. The table is God's table and the food is Jesus Christ and His sacrifice. What He did at the cross is good enough to make you new. It's good enough to give you eternal life. Christ died for the many, not the few. His food gives life to the world, not the privileged. In John six forty seven, He said, Truly, truly, I say to you, He who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. You know, we make religion so complicated sometimes that we rob the gospel of its strength. Dear heart, there should not be any qualifiers. If you have come to Christ, if you have given your life to Christ, if you are in Christ by faith, you are alive because you belong to Jesus Christ. And that is the bottom line reality of your future existence. I am that I am is God's name at the burning bush. And Christ uses this sacred name again and again in the Gospel of John to describe Himself. I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Before Abraham was, I am. I am the bread of life. God's name is His covenant name. I am means, according to the prophet Isaiah, I am here in a covenant relationship to save you. And so Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I'm God's new covenant of grace, given for you, broken for you, a life you could not find God has given to you. I have come to be that life. In John 6, 53, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Eschatology, which means the study of end time events, is based on Christology, the study of Jesus Christ. External life on the last day is the result of feasting on Jesus Christ today. What you do with Him now determines what He will do with you then. The one who comes to the table today will be resurrected on the last day for the marriage supper of the Lamb. If you like coming to the table, if you find your life in taking life from Christ, you will find life in the resurrection. Jesus is the food that renews. Christ is the food that makes you live forever. The question is not, what must you do to do the works of God? The question is this, will you come to the table and accept God's finished and perfect work for you? That's the question. Will you accept and believe in the one whom God has sent? The new covenant is God's way to recreate you, to make you have a life that is new, to give you life where there was none, to forgive you, to hold you, 
to pardon you and to resurrect you at the end. It sounds too easy to be saved like this, preacher. That's what some might be saying here. Come to Jesus and live? Sounds like cheap grace. Come to the table and take the bread of life? Feast on Jesus' life and death and that's what I need to do to live? No, come on preacher, too easy. It's too easy to be true, you say. Let me ask you this question. If it's so easy, then why did the majority leave Jesus when He offered them this kind of eternal life in John chapter 6? If it's so easy, look at verse 66 of John 6. And after this, many of His disciples drew back and no longer went about with Him. It's not easy to come to the table. It's hard to humble yourself and accept the bread of life on God's terms when you want to do the works of God yourself so that God will accept you. Verse 67, Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also wish to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Now Peter got it right. He knew that if you stay with Jesus, you have eternal life. You leave Christ, you don't have eternal life. He said, the words of life are with you. I will feed on your words and forget what the world has to offer. His words, Christ's words, are the food that makes you live forever. He is the living bread that renews your weary life. Just before Jesus comes, there will be a call to come to the table. Christ called it the kingdom call for the marriage feast of the king that will be given for his son. The Gospel of Matthew says that both good and bad will be invited to this marriage table, a feast at the end of the age. And that's good news for me. What about you? It's good news that bad and good are invited. You know, there's a little bit of bad and a whole lot of good in most of you, right? Or is it the other way around? But isn't there enough bad in you to keep you away from the table if you focus on that bad? There is. Now, the problem with perfectionism is that it doesn't believe there's anything bad. It's a form of self-deception where a person comes to believe that they get to a point where God will accept them because the level of their obedience is good enough and the quality of it's good enough that they somehow don't need the cross as much as they used to. Dear heart, I have no right to God's eternity without the cross of Jesus Christ by which I have been crucified to the world and the world to me. Christ is the bread of life Christ is God's food that fills, and Jesus is God's way to the new you, and there is no plan B in the gospel. At all the feasts of Israel, it was expected that men would wear the kittle, which was a white garment, a pure white garment, as a symbol of moral purity. It was especially expected on the great day of atonement and at the Feast of Tabernacles, at the final feast of the year, that they were to wear this garment. They were buried in that garment. And on the resurrection day, that's the garment that they were to wear when they stood before God in the judgment day. The white garment, dear heart, is a gift that makes you worthy for the feast. It represents a purity that is given to you by grace so you can stand before God without shame because you can't make your own garment. You have to receive it by faith. Revelation 19, verse 6, the Bible says, I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude like the sound of many waters and like the sound of mighty thunder peals crying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give Him the glory. For the marriage supper of the Lamb has come and her bride has made herself ready. Now here's the key verse. It was given 
or granted her to be clothed with fine linen, bright and pure. You see, God's end time church doesn't make its own righteousness. It doesn't produce a righteousness that will pass the muster of the judgment day. It receives from Jesus Christ the white robe as a gift. A gift of God's grace. It says, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. You know, when you have the righteousness of Christ, what you do is not you anymore. It's not about you. It's not rooted in you. It's about Jesus. And it's a gift from Christ. You can never claim credit for good if you wear the white robe. And the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are true words of God. The garment is a gift and the feast is Jesus Christ. In Jesus' parable of the king's feast in Matthew 22, the Father provides everything for the marriage feast. Christ our righteousness means Christ our purity. Christ our righteousness means Christ is our acceptance before God. Christ our righteousness means we are more concerned with the bread of life than proving something to God so we can look good in the judgment day. Christ our righteousness is the confidence of the heart and the boast of the life that is free to worship God because of what Christ has done. The book of Revelation ends with the call to accept the water of life and live forever. Revelation twenty two seventeen, The Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him who hears come, and let him who is thirsty come, and let him who desires take the water of life without price. Eternal life is free, but it's not cheap. It is priceless, but it has a price. It has a price in the sense that you must humble yourself to receive the gift. In the gospel, you can't buy your way to God, but you can come to God. In the gospel, you can't work your way to God, but you can come to God through Jesus Christ. You can't resurrect yourself on a resurrection morning, but you can cling to Jesus as the resurrection and the life. And Christ will raise you up at the last day. Jesus will come for you and to you because you came to Him at the table of the Lord's Supper. And you can't make yourself live forever when you're dead already on the inside. You can't resurrect a sinful heart. But Christ is the bread of life. And you can come to Christ and Christ can make you live today and He can make you live forever. Dear heart, Jesus stands at the door of the Laodicean church. And He is knocking at the door of a sick church according to the book of Revelation that doesn't have enough time for communion except once a quarter. He knocks on the door of that end-time church as He calls His end-time people to experience righteousness by faith, to experience in fellowship the truth that cannot be explained theologically. He says, come to the table of the new covenant and sup with me and I with you. That's the major point of the latest scene message, much ignored today by people who claim to preach it. Come to the table and taste the food that makes you live forever. Christ is the feast that frees the soul and gives it wings so the soul can fly. Christ is the new covenant of the bread and the wine. And because Jesus is God's only way to the new you, dear heart, the Spirit and the bride say, Come. Come to the table and live forever. Come to Jesus and taste eternal life right now. Come and leave the old life far behind for the new, the radically new that is new only in Him. Come and see, Jesus says, that I make all things new. Christ says, I make all things new. Even you, I make all things new.
Dear Heavenly Father, where would we be without the cross of Christ? Thank you that that song, Redeemed, is not a present tense or a future tense verb. It's a past tense verb. That in Christ something happened there that is fixed and certain that cannot be played with for time and eternity. Thank you that we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Lord, thank you for what you went through on that cross. And thank you for never leaving or forsaking your people in time. Bless them, everyone, Father. Bless us, everyone. In the name of Jesus, who is the blessing. In his name, amen. Thanks for listening today. If this message has ministered to you, remember there are many more just like it at reachingyourheart.com. If you're a regular listener to this broadcast or if you've just tuned in for the first time and have been inspired by this sermon and you'd like to partner with us to help keep these radio broadcasts on the air, you can simply call us at 1-888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-HOPE, day or night, 24-7. One of our team is available to assist you right now. We believe God is moving across the globe, touching lives and reaching hearts. And you are helping make this a reality with your gift of any amount. Spiritualism in a variety of forms is making its way through the Western world. The afterlife, the spirit world and spirit mediums can be found in movies, best-selling books and popular TV programs. These themes are making their way into our children's entertainment even. And we have this free book to help you understand things a little bit better entitled Dark Tunnels or Bright Lights. This book candidly reveals biblical truth about this subject and pulls the curtain aside to reveal why there is so much interest in this topic. The book reveals the deceptions of spiritualism based on biblical teachings so that you can confidently discern truth from error as the topic continues to gain momentum across all levels of society. Now, this book is absolutely free. You can simply call us at 1-888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-HOPE, day or night, 24-7. Thanks for tuning in, and we pray that God is reaching your heart and growing you up in Christ through these messages. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.